Um, this is Ian from Wolverhampton. This is the Doctor Who Podcast! And you are most welcome! Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Doctor Who Podcast. Let's eat cat food, let's eat heaters, let's hit hot... No, let's kill Hitler! Yes, hello and welcome to probably the most unique way that we've ever started a Doctor Who podcast. We've had some guy from the West Midlands shout at us, Tom, your words are in the wrong order for once and they never usually are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the important thing is you're back. You're back again once again in the Doctor Who podcast camper van. Oh, back once again with the Renegade Master. Yes, I, uh, it's it's nice to be here, but it seems that there's something going slightly wrong with the time stream because we can only have two of us together at one time because we've lost Trev for this one. Well, uh, perhaps we are actually all versions of the same person and Blinovich <laughs> may apply if we actually, you know, occupy the same space oh, <laughs> at the that, same that, time. That could well be it. But look, Trev, wherever you are, whatever you're doing... We hope you're very, very well and look forward to hearing from you in the coming weeks. Yes, indeed. And in the meantime, Tom, you and I get to discuss in a very structured, in a very measured way, in a way that we can't do in Mr. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> discuss. Let's kill him. Out, 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 out. Everybody out. Don't be the smoke. Don't get out. Where are we? A room. What room? I don't know what room. I haven't memorised every room in the universe yet. I had yesterday off. <coughs> Mills, don't go in there. Bad smoke, don't breathe for bad, bad smoke, bad, deadly smoke, because somebody shot my TARDIS! Doctor, this guy, I think he's hurt. Transmit normal life signs. Artificial gravity holding, but we should get up right when we can. Hang on. No, it's it's fine. Oh, hello. Sorry, is this your office? Had a sort of collision with my vehicle. Faults on both sides, let's say no more about it. Thank you, whoever you are. I think you have just saved my life. Believe me, it was an accident. Right, okay, I've got to say, I really loved this. It's fab- it's fabulous. I mean, Doctor Who has been ratcheting it, ratcheting it up a notch ever since it returned in 2005. And you know what I'm going to say here. This is modern Doctor Who for a modern audience. I could feel before the show aired that there was a real sense of apprehension about the Hitler content, the ideas of uh, how Nazi Germany was going to be represented. Um, But surely we should have learned by now that we're not going to get something which is going to be overtly offensive or obviously offensive or dangerous in a family show on a Saturday. So the, the, it seemed to me that the idea of what was going to happen was far, far and away from what actually took place on the screen on Saturday night. And what took place on the screen on Saturday night was a great piece of family entertainment. I do wonder very much if people might start, might start banging their heads against the wall. Um, Trev, this is one of the reasons I'm kind of... Um, frustrated that you're not here because I know you have a very specific attitude towards regeneration and that you've got River Song uh, regenerating and giving away her regenerations and I think you've described it before as the holiest of holies um, in such a cavalier way is 
well, for me, I loved it. I, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I've got. To, I've got to be honest. There were lots of little touch, uh, touchstones and references to previous Doctor Who that I really enjoyed. Clearly, seeing the companions materialising in the uh, console room was a lovely, a lovely nod to the to the last five years or six years of Doctor Who. Um, but also little things that might have passed unnoticed. The temporal, gr- the reference to temporal grace, um, the reference to uh, the visual reference between uh, the space hopper and the sports car that uh, the Doctor mentioned at uh, Utopia. Um, but of course, the thing which is really quite lovely was to see uh, the previous regeneration of River Song or, or, or Melody Pond. I, I can't imagine that there was anyone who, even looking at the clip, saw, who heard the name Mel's and didn't immediately work out what was going on. But even still, it was nice to, to see that unfold in a very beautiful way. Um, great bit of misdirection. The title was Let's Kill Hitler, but the fact, the fact of the matter is it's all about River. Um, again, nice development for all of the characters. Rory being very violent, but again, proving that he can act. Karen Gillan showing that, hands down, she can actually act. Act. She did a she did an amazing job. Um, Matt Smith, yes, stealing the show. Of course, there will be a whole generation of children and uh, of and childish adults who now want to go out and get some top hat and tails and a sonic cane. Um, but uh, but the but the lovely bit of character de- development uh, for the Doctor came in a very couple a couple of very simple lines. My favourite being when the uh, voice interface is activated, uh, chastising the TARDIS, who we can only now imagine as being Suran Jones, and saying, "No, please give me someone that I actually like." So yeah, I, I, I say there's an awful lot in this episode, uh, a lot to enjoy, and to me, this is Doctor Who. It's not, it's not uh, at the the heady heights of the roller coaster ride that was um, uh, the Impossible Astronaut, but even still, it's brilliant Doctor Who, great family entertainment, and what can I say? I'm glad my show is back. I don't think I can really add a great deal to that, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not at all. Um, it, it, it's interesting, uh, just listening to my thoughts, really, uh, come through your voice, Tom. And uh, there's my voice interface right there. Uh, fundamentally, I think I agree with you. Um, I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, I, I thought it was good. And I, I've watched it on two occasions now. H- how many times, Tom, have you seen it? Um, one, well, actually, no, twice. I've seen it twice now. You've seen it twice? Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I, the, the first time I watched it, I just watched it straight through and I didn't make any notes or anything I tried to watch it as close to you know a normal person would watch it and uh which, which is always challenging for me and and yeah I, I really really got taken with all the revelations uh a, a far more revelations than I was expecting I have to say for episode eight and I, I yeah it, it was good I enjoyed it the second time I watched it obviously I know what's coming and it didn't have such a big impact the second time it was it was a very dialogue based episode mm. uh, of course I mean you, you mentioned misdirection earlier with a title and that's completely and utterly correct it was nothing to do with Hitler at all and I'm actually quite pleased in the same way that uh I imagine lots of other people going online and, and voicing their concern uh, about having the Second World War, Hitler, etc., uh, involved in in Doctor Who. Um, I'm I'm glad they had absolutely nothing really to to, to worry about. It was at its core a sci-fi story, and once again, the thing that defines Moffat's era is clearly not the Doctor, but this character called Riversong. Yeah, and I for one am quite happy to go along with that story. And I, I I'm not like some others, and I have heard some. Uh, disquiet and discontent amongst fandom that this story is now becoming tedious uh, it long since became comprehensible and I mean I'm, I, I'd be lying if I said I'm completely on the button with River Song's lineage or uh, her, her story that's being told mm. 
but it's not preventing my enjoyment in in any way shape or form and the episodes this series i've enjoyed the most are not only the, have they been written by Stephen moffat but they're the ones that include river song pretty much at the heart of the story uh, but let's 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 talk about a couple of things that you you mentioned that I I, I scribbled notes down as as you were uh, as you were talking, um the concept that regeneration is is a sacrosanct institution if you like and that using it for someone who's not even a time lord uh, in the strictest sense could be seen as a violation of everything that Doctor Who fans hold dear and I'm I'm certain I can hear Trevor nodding there, um I'm. It didn't bother me as much as I think it probably should have done. No. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Every time I'm thinking, well, how can they get out of this? Well, there was some kind of Time Lordy thing with, with Riversong. I, I think her interpretation of the character being far more flippant, far more, you know, well, basically evil, almost right at the very beginning. She had absolutely no real concern about the characters, including her parents. And it really did seemed touch and go whether she was going to help the Doctor when she had an opportunity to later on in the story uh, until one particular pivotal moment which I'd like to discuss with you later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I didn't think she was a particularly interesting character and I must have been that one person who didn't guess that Mel's was Riversong. Duh. Oh, I, I didn't see it coming until, until she started regenerating and I was thinking, ah. And I was also thinking, Penny in the air, what's she talking about? What's she talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah. I'm just demonstrating that I'm a particularly slow, ignorant Doctor Who fan, but the penny did drop eventually, as it did for the characters in the story as well. But uh, what what else can I say? Um, Karen Gillan's acting, yes, I thought it was good, but I also thought she was at her best when she was being a robotic, hydraulic um, monster or Terminator or android, to be honest, which I don't think requires great acting talent, does it? Well, that but that, that that's what really made it stand out to me that she could that she's a very good actress because what what she had it was very much like David Tennant being the Doctor pretending to be John Smith. So you know that point where the Doctor is back to being the Doctor, um, but he's pretending to be John, but he's pretending to be John Smith, um, and then reveals himself as being the Doctor. What you had was the ro- was robot Amy voicing the, in, the, in exactly the same way as physical Amy does. So I, I, I suppose on the face of it, that sounds that sounds quite easy. What don't move your face, but somehow convey panic, um, and uh, and uh, a very what's what I'm looking for, uh, and a very a very physical and a very organic. Uh, presence through through a robotic face, which to me is which I say it, she made it look easy, but that to me is a great actress at work. That's brilliant. Surely you just got to watch Terminator, haven't you? <laughs> um, yes, but again, but, but again, acting is one of those things that when it's done well, makes it look make, you know, looks looks really really easy. Um, you know, that, you know that said, I, I've seen Matt Smith doing Christopher and his friends, and I'm not sure. I, I wonder if Matt Smith is is really playing himself in a lot of this stuff. Uh, but even still, it's a great act. So who cares? You know? No, absolutely. And I think Matt Smith was absolutely fantastic. And um, I have to say, I was very, very tempted to say in my opening salvo, really, just one word, because I thought you would have mentioned it in your opening salvo, and that's coat. Yes. Oh, the shape of it. The shape of it. Oh, how lovely. I mean, that's the thing. I'm sure you know, most most Doctor Who fans of a certain age are, are fond of seeing the Doctor in a long coat, and and it looked great. It, looked it did. Absolutely it looked really good. That's the best outfit, costume, whatever you want to call it, a combination of clothes on the Eleventh Doctor that we've seen so far. And I, I thought he looked really, really good. But it leads me on to another slightly. Uh, 
strange subject to be discussing here with another man, uh, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, now, I think it's probably true. We're going to have some listeners going hee 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 when they hear this uh, being discussed. But I'm a married man. I have a daughter. I can appreciate when a man is good looking. All right. I know Tom Cruise is good looking. All right. I know other people are good looking in, in, in the public eye. I wouldn't have said Matt Smith is hot. Um, he's got a very, very. Um, he, he has two things. He has pr- uh, charisma and he has presence. Um, and I, I recognise that on a from a certain angle, and there are quite a few of those certain angles. He is in, he is extremely good looking. I mean, interestingly, Pulp, uh, the UK band Pulp, were playing uh, at festivals, and I watched a bit of footage of that. And you've got Jarvis Cocker, who's a gangly, shambling sociology teacher type, who's he's clearly my hero. My that, absolute hero. He brought being thin back into fashion, and I could wear all my dad's shirts. Wonderful. <laughs> but, the, but this is the thing: Jarvis Cocker on, on paper is not sexy, but the way he moves and the sound of his voice and the way and the way he, the way he conducts his presence is absolutely captivating. A huge charisma that he's got, and, he, and and this all adds up to him being sexy. Matt Smith is the same. Um, he's got a very unusual face. From some angles, even in yesterday's show, he looks he looks a thousand years old. He looked old and tired and scared but from other angles he looks like a hero um so yeah i i see that he is hot and to be honest with you if you've got someone who's not been bashed with the ugly stick uh and has a time machine and is a hero that's hot well perhaps and, and maybe also um rory and amy had really kind of created an image inside of mel's head but e- even from a very very young age uh she used the word hot uh, which I thought was hmm, not quite sure about that. Maybe that's the prude in me coming to the surface. Okay, Doctor Who podcast audience, I want to throw this over to you. I want to know whether or not my opinion is completely skewed here, but in my view, Matt Smith, not hot. So if you can let us know, either feedback at the com <laughs> or on Twitter at the DR Who podcast, we want to know whether or not Matt Smith is hot or not. Clearly the most important part of this entire episode. Right, moving away from someone who may not be hot to someone who is, in my mind at least, absolutely smouldering. We have the two uh, incarnations of River Song. Uh, the first, played by Nina Toussaint White. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, James, what did you make of the pre-regen River? I didn't like her. Really? I really didn't like her. No, the character was beginning to grate on me uh, until the point where she got shot uh, and started regenerating. But yes, it was um, it was mostly just a you know slap the forehead moment. Of course, smells. Yes, I should realise. But I didn't find the character particularly engaging. I th- I thought the performance was a little bit towards caricature as opposed to believable character. But um, but yeah, I, I like the fact that we've now seen, I believe, three different versions of River Song. Um, but yeah, like the story point, wasn't overly convinced by the performance. Mm. I, I've got to I've got to disagree slightly. I thought it was quite strong, and I, surely when the um, sports car arrived at the TARDIS, surely you must have been thinking River. <laughs> you know, I was thinking cornfield. <laughs> no, sorry, I, and crop circles, and why hadn't that been uh, addressed in Doctor Who before? But no, I, I really, really wasn't. I didn't have a clue. I, I think I was too caught up in the fact that I was watching a new episode of Doctor Who for the first time in months. I, I didn't go into this episode with any kind of preconceptions. And I've spent an evening with one individual 
um, who saw this a couple of weeks ago and was painfully trying not to tell me what happened uh, in, in, in the episode because they'd seen it at the BFI. So no, I had absolutely no idea what was going on and there wasn't any bells, I'm afraid. Uh, there were no Mel bells ringing for me. Well, okay. Well, after the regeneration, which seems, and we seem to have uh, accepted this th- this theme with regeneration that the Doctor will, that whoever regenerates will be uh, slightly unstable. But but I thought that was just the Doctor because the, the other regenerations I've seen uh, up yes. until the new series have been, it seems to have been quite controlled. I mean, Roma, I'm thinking of uh, Romana at the beginning of uh, Destiny of the Daleks, for instance. Mm. Um, and there were there were shades of River being able to control things a little bit, but. Um, I, I've got to say, I, I really enjoyed seeing uh, Melody Pond or River Song coming into... Well, the fact there were two regenerations, weren't there? There was the one of, uh, Mel- of Melody into Melody, uh, and, then, and then there was the, the becoming of River Song. Um, but I, I liked the, the luxuriating uh, of the second Melody. Uh, she, she was clearly having a great time. Like, oh, a new body. Let's go and see what body. Let's go and see what I look like. Um, but in, even inside that, I liked the the very boomtown elements of ch- a very quick chess between the doctor and melody <laughs> i hadn't thought of that but you're absolutely right um i think maybe mixed with uh Moffat's secret ingredient, which he used within uh, the eleventh hour as well, the kind of Sherlock Holmes stop motion sequence. So, yeah, Sherlock, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you fuse both of those together, and I think it was uh, absolutely perfect. Yes, very, very good um, description there. You mentioned River Song may possibly be suffering from post regenerative process, and how we've always thought that may be unique to the Doctor. I'm not so sure whether she did suffer any kind of post regenerative. Stress. I think it was purely River Song earlier in her timeline, and she was basically Mel's. You know, she was far more happy-go-lucky. She was. She knew she was a, a trained killing machine, and she treated time and regeneration with disdain. And this was just her way of having fun. She was in Nazi Germany. Hey, let's go kill Hitler. You know that the whole episode is all about her attitude towards time travel prior to her becoming, uh, which I would actually quite like to discuss with you as well, and I like the way you've, you've phrased that. River Song's becoming. Now, I felt that was probably the only gratuitous part of this episode, because River Song turned around to Amy and said, who is River Song? And Amy, I think if she was any normal person, would have said, you are? But no, they had to labour the point and get this robot thing to actually show River Song. And I know there's this old thing, you know, sometimes an action or a, a, a visual scene can say more than a thousand words. But as far as I'm concerned, that was laboured purely for dramatic reasons. And uh, I, I didn't feel that that worked very well. Well, I, I see what you're saying. It, it, it seemed in, it was interesting that River was picking up. Oh, sorry, I've got, I've got to make this distinction actually. So we, we have to talk maybe about Melody on the one hand and then River on the other. That might that, because it, it, it is the cha- it is a change of character. Um, it's interesting you say that, because, but then again, Amy's changed too. Um, you know, she she's not the person that she was before, and realizing that it's her daughter. I mean, you know, you you talk to someone that's just been born or a child or your child differently. Uh, than the way you would to than you would someone else, and and she's and she's got a responsibility to try and get the point across to Melody that she is actually River Song. I'm, um, I'm not I'm not so sure. I mean, when you think about the fact that the Doctor is on the floor, he's dying, he's running out of time and speed, you know, is is of the essence here. 
she decides to take the long labour point purely because she suddenly realises, well, actually, I've got parental responsibilities. No, don't buy that. I don't think it worked particularly well in the script. Okay. I think that's all it was. I think it was a, a desire to make the scene something more than it actually was. And I noticed that anyway. Well, just as just just we were talking before, um, it could be argued that, um, okay, these people are all playing characters, but it could be argued that um, Alex Kingston was properly camping it up when she was playing Melody Pond. But <laughs> yes. as she becomes River Song, then the acting filter really kicks in. And you see how skilled these people are because it, there is a, a huge change, a massive fundamental shift and change in tone. Um, in, in what that character is doing. Now, you mentioned something about this earlier on. Do you want to do you want to pick up the thread here? I do. What was it that made River Song become? You you talked about this almost transition from melody to to river. Mm. What what was it that the doctor said? Because it most certainly wasn't what was said between the two characters in Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead. Because that was just the doctor's name. We don't know that. We don't know that. What we, what, what we do know is that uh, number 10 says, okay, she says something to him to calm him down and bring him in line real quickly. And it works. And um, he said later, it uh, was my name. You told me my name. And that was it. And there wasn't enough time. Oh, unless really? she said it very quickly. Absolutely. It was a quick whisper. I don't know if you remember the scene. River Song moved in close yep. on Doctor Number 10 yep. and whispered something and then moved away. And then you got that strong Paddington Bear stare that Tennant did so brilliantly. Mm -hmm. And later on, it may have been in the second part of that story, he said, you told me my name. You told me my name. And not only that, if you look in this particular episode here in Let's Kill Hitler, mm. whatever it was the Doctor said mm. to River Song, she responded to, I'm sure she knows. Now, that could have been, yes, I love River Song, or it could have been, my name is. Mm. Who knows? But I wasn't convinced. I'm, I still think there's something to be told there. What was it that the Doctor said to Melody that made her become River Song? Because I don't think that's clear. Well... Do you know what I think? I think this is this will become the, the this will become the question, which leads into something else actually. But, it does. Yes. But at the same time, even in Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead, the Doctor says, "Look, there's only one time I could have told you that." And the and the inference from that is, "What well, when I'm dying? When I was yes. dying? Or also, or, or alternatively, when I get married?" And let's not forget that one of the late episodes of this in this. Um, season is called the marriage of river song so yeah, river song doesn't do weddings well, well there's something else, that's something else to think about the doctor mentioned earlier on in the episode that saying saying i remember everyone that was i remember everyone that was at the wedding and i don't remember you mel said i wasn't at the wedding which would be which is a bit weird because why would you not be at the wedding of your best friends but then river song was she was later on. She didn't attend a ceremony or anything. She just turned up and gave the diary. Uh, but yeah, she said she doesn't do weddings. I think that was the actual line of dialogue. Mm. So I think there's probably something there as well. She didn't go to her parents' wedding. And it's called The Wedding of River Song. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, because when I read that title, it was just The Weddings. So that, that has actually been confirmed, has it? It is yep. now called The Wedding of River Song. The Wedding of River Song. Um, oh, wow. Now, but even inside that, we've got, we had a little bit more of exp exposition of the silence. And I think this is just, just taking the point a little bit further on. Um, you know, you're saying, what did the Doctor say to Melody to make her become River Song? Um, but then we have the exposition around the silence, which says um, the silence believe that silence was, will fall when the answer to the question uh, is given. 
given, when the answer to the question is given. And I've got this horrible feeling, look away now, listeners, look away now, that the question may be something really simple like, who is the Doctor? I um, think it may be slightly different. It may be Doctor Who. Well, yes, and it's nice. It's always nice to hear that. It's always nice to <laughs> yes. hear those two things put together. Um, on that point, though, I had a bit of a sh- a bit of a shiver thinking that. Well, we we know that the regeneration the regeneration limit has got to be addressed very very soon. Um, I'm wondering if that was if we've just seen it happening quite in front possibly. of us. Yeah, there was a, a chap called Sean tweeted very soon after the episode as well, saying, "Hey guys." Have we just seen the regeneration limits uh, addressed? And I think we may possibly have done so. And it, do you know what? If we have, I'll be fine with that. I really would be because I don't really want it articulated on screen. I just want to carry on. You know, I, that, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Although I got, I've just got this horrible feeling. It, it made me sort of shudder a little bit because I thought, oh, has the Doctor turned into some time vampire like the Master now? <laughs> <laughs> I think it may possibly be using regeneration within Riversong's character as a kind of get out of jail free card if you like mm. because clearly there is no way that he can reboot his regenerations unless there's something extraordinary happening and of course this is extraordinary so I I don't know I really don't know no one knows it certainly wasn't addressed explicitly and yeah you can say Moffat's toying with the fans of course because once again the casual audience are not going to care whether this is the 11th Doctor and he has you know just two more regenerations left in this particular cycle but we'll we'll wait and see. Let me go back to something that you mentioned a while ago, which I haven't uh, haven't spoken about, and and that was the nods to classic Who. Um, mm. And again, yes, yeah, Stones of Blood, uh, I think, is interesting with the Justice Department. Yes, yes, um, yes. And indeed, that's the second reference I think to to Stones of Blood made during this series and I'm um, if we consider the alternate scene in Curse of Black Spot almost mm. that was uh, that was very you know you on one particular place on earth but really you're in a different place so there's almost two different variations or uses of, of that uh, particular story mm-hmm. temporal grace what uh, yes I, I I certainly picked that up from the TV movie but why wasn't it working because that ship really doesn't work. It's <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that, is it? It's as simple as that. I mean, it, even even as the Doctor returns to the ship, uh, having been poisoned, and he says, um, extractor fans, he, he seems surprised that they actually work. I, and I, I love that line as well. Do you know, this, this episode was littered with lines like that, that I was going, <laughs> really, really very funny. Well, it, was, it was nice to see the return of the character of the Doctor. He is one step ahead of everybody else, except for when he's not. Um, and he, but he is curious, and he is, frankly, a Time Lord. I think those those um, uh, those miniature people, which was a bit uh, a bit fantastic voyage. Yeah, a bit... oh, is it fantastic voyage or fantastic journey? Oh, I'm not sure actually. Fantastic. Or... I know what you mean now. I know hmm. the one you mean. Um, listeners, I'm sure I'm sure all of you know this, but uh, for, for maybe the few who, who aren't sure, uh, there's a there's a, a wonderful film from the 1960s uh, about a team of scientists who are miniaturized and uh, inserted into uh, the body uh, of a prominent politician, I believe it is, and of course it's the it's the story about how how they put up with the body's defences. So mm. there, there were echoes of that. But there's also well, it's, it's also Inner Space, remember? Because Inner Space was a remake of that with uh, Dennis Quaid. Oh, of course. I, I, do you know? I don't think I've actually seen that. It's actually very good. <laughs> but then again, I really like really bad films. So, yeah. Well, the less said the better. Um, but also, um, I'm sure there's, there'll be readers of a certain age who'll remember uh, a comic uh, and a comic strip called The Numbskulls. 
uh, where you had uh, there was a, the, the, the conceit was that you had a, a, a human being, but he was operated from the inside uh, <laughs> by uh, little people who lived in his head. There was like the stomach department and the hand department and the head department. So there was so, so there, there, there were fl- there were flashes of that. Um, but but it was nice to see the doctor getting um, curious about. Hang on a minute. So what? You're the time police, are you? I don't. Yes. We, we can't have seen the last of those because they did nope. just beam themselves up and off. They no, went. I, and I, I agree. I agree completely. I've interrupted you yet again, Tom. That's sorry. cool. Bring it on. It's not cool. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And for my money, I think this is how Riversong gains the ability to time travel. Uh, she's she's got to be given pretty much mastery over the time vortex. She's got to be able to travel as and when she wants to in order to meet the Doctor uh, in various times. And I think this is probably something to do with it. I guess we probably won't find out until the last episode. Hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, there is a point I wanted to make actually about what what I'm seeing as the being the overarching story. Uh, one one of the subtexts in this uh, current season, maybe even the season before, um, is that the whole thing seems to be a parable about uh, cha- the potential for change and redemption and development. Um, in the story, you've got uh, Melody, uh, old Melody, becoming new Melody, uh, and you've got Melody becoming River. Uh, you've got the Doctor constantly saying how much he does, he dislikes himself, but he changes and he can be redeemed. And he can he can be redeemed. I'm thinking back to the line in the Doctor's Wife where Amy says, "You just want to be forgiven," and in a very old way says, "Don't we all?" Uh, which is fantastic. Um, and what I saw yesterday was again this re- this retelling, this reiteration of the idea that people can change, people can be redeemed, people can develop, people can become better than they currently are, which is at base a great story to be telling children, um, and maybe even to be telling middle-aged men, because we don't after a bit you forget that you can still develop and change. Oh, is is it as optimistic and positive a message as that though? When you consider how old the Doctor is, and certainly fans are aware that he is reaching the end of his certainly his his natural regenerative life. Mm. and he still hates himself. So is it not a little more dark thinking, look, it doesn't actually matter what you do, you know, you're not actually going to end up liking yourself. I mean, this was addressed head-on in Amy's Choice uh, last year as well. So although it does have that kind of optimistic message, has the Doctor really achieved that status or that state of affairs himself? Well, that's, that's why we go on the journey. We want to see him righting wrongs and find out a little bit more about the character. Although, even still, we know nothing about him. And that, and this is something else I'm liking about this series. We're getting back to the place where the Doctor knows what's going on, isn't telling telling everyone, and he's becoming mysterious again. There was a horrible moment um, towards the end of the 80s uh, where we started to find out a little bit too much about the old man. Um, and when he returned again, we did, he was it was like wiping the slate clean. And I'm liking not knowing this fella. Um, because again, you know, from a very optimistic point of view, it's suggesting that we don't know ourselves. In fact, in my notes here, uh, it says that we we are gradually revealed to ourselves through circumstance, which is really what we saw going on with uh, Melody becoming River. Well, that's very interesting. It sounds like your notes could well be an analogy for River Song's diary, because, uh, <laughs> because that's practically. Uh, I mean, we, yes, I mean, I came up with a little theory a little while ago that the Doctor actually wrote the diary and then gave it to River Song as a reference guide, and. I'm glad to see that the Doctor did give her the diary, and I felt a little bit of vindication there, but of course we don't know exactly who wrote it. And and looking at the condition of that diary, it's pristine, it's new, it's got a ribbon round it, it's got a red ribbon round it. So presumably that is for River Song to start recording her meetings with the Doctor. Mm. However, I mean, it's still, I'm still not 100% certain 
what's going on there because of course when River Song does meet the 10th Doctor uh, in Silence of the Library she talks about a whole load of rules and the Doctor says whose rules and she Ooh. says well yours actually so who wrote those rules I mean is the Doctor going to be in a position again to give River Song those rules so she can write them down in the same way that she has got drawings of every face of the Doctor in that diary uh, it says that's said quite clearly in Time of Angels and we know River Song hasn't met incarnations. Well, do we know? I th- I'm assuming we know River Song hasn't met incarnations one through to number nine. We don't know this. We don't know. We this. don't. You're uh, right. I was saying. I was thinking that as as I was saying it, but mm. oh, look, it's look, a bit too convenient if she has. What I'm liking about this is even th- you make the point about the rules. Um, the Doctor was giving out was giving out rules the whole time. Perhaps those are the first few pages, but I, I, and, it, and it brings us back to rule number one: the Doctor lies. Quite possibly, but it was a sealed diary. You see what I mean? There was a ribbon round it. It was like a present. It hadn't been opened. I think that was what you were supposed to take away from that ribbon. You yeah. know, had I'm not sure. I mean, he could well have written a few rules in the first couple of pages and then yeah. tied the ribbon around it. Yeah. But yeah, all I'm saying is that. I mean, I know you've heard this on many other podcasts and many other shows. I mean, you never get the answers with Stephen Moffat. You get part of the answer and then another whole load of questions. And I just hope that we do, by the end of Stephen Moffat's tenure, because I think that's how you've got to define Matt Smith's era now, is actually Moffat's tenure, not the 11th Doctor's era. Mm. Um, He has actually got an end game and we can go back and say, oh, that was the answer to this, that was the answer to that. My only concern, if that is the case, is is it going to be as enjoyable to rewatch? Well, what will happen is, well, I suspect that there are people out there who have already started to do this, but and I think you mentioned it before, it will be possible in this age of uh, random access, once the story is told, or once we're told the timeline is complete, to watch, the, to watch this all from River's point of view. Because at the moment we're following it from the Doctor's timeline. Once, we, once the story's told, we should be able to watch it from River's point of view, with this being episode one. I'm not so sure we will, you know. And I, I know I've said that in the past, but you consider the Doctor, the Doctor that we're following, and River Song that we're following now, are both at the same point in time. They're both going the same direction. They're not meeting each other out of order anymore. Um, but they, they can't. Because everything we've seen of the Doctor is in his past. So the only time River Song can now meet our Doctor is in the future. And the river song we're following is right at the beginning of that journey, unless the twelfth Doctor comes into play here. I wonder. I wonder. Okay, okay, okay. are we saying that we we can now watch this in sequence because we've seen we've seen her becoming yes. river song and we've seen yes. her dying. Yep, pretty much. Um, you can watch. We don't know whether it's a complete story yeah. because one thing with Stephen Moffat is that you don't get the picture on the front of the jigsaw. <laughs> um, yeah. You just you just get the pieces. And I think certainly River Song is going to make a return. Mm. I think that's quite clear, mm. but I'm not entirely convinced it's going to be in the season finale. I'm I'm actually beginning to wonder whether or not we're done with River Song for this season. We can't be because there's still there's still the question of what happened at, 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 the, at the edge of Lake Silence. That's very true. Yes, good point. So that would be the elder River Song once again, mm. presumably. Mm. Unless you're going to have multiple River Songs, you know. I knew if we got talking about this, we're going to end up creating more and more different um, connotations of what could be going on. Well, either oh. that, or we could just be talking absolute garbage. No, so. wait a minute. We have to see her again. We have to see her again because there's a shot of her turning around with the Kaverian eyepiece. Ah, good point. Yes, indeed. 
Unless that's from next season. Nah. Calm down. <laughs> it won't be. I know. I'm calm down. Okay, Tom, have we got anything else to say about well, Let's Kill Hitler? Um, yeah, I have other notes that, I've, that, that I could bring up, but perhaps... It, Perhaps the thing is to leave it a little bit and to see what happens. I mean, I, the bottom line here is that I'm really, really, I'm really enjoying this. I mean, the first time I watched it and watched it cold, I, rather by accident rather than design, I've managed to avoid any spoilers. I don't know yes. how I've managed to do that. I just, obviously, because other things become more important. Um, and so watching it from cold, it was just, this is fantastic. This is great. This is brilliant. Um, you know, it. I, I loved it. I, I thought Alex Kingston was fantastic. A short note to credit Arthur Darville and Karen Gillan for their exceptional acting uh, and, and acting like they were 10 years younger than they were. For instance, when Rory, when uh, Amy gets it and suddenly realises that, uh, that Rory's, Rory's actually interested in her. Um, I, suppose it's, I suppose it's one of those things. What's obvious to uh, everyone around you is not always obvious to you if you're in the middle of it and making it all happen. Um, but yeah, credit, credit to them for some, for some great acting skills. Um, and again, I'm just interested in Doctor Who. I'm, I'm excited to see how the story develops. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what happens with Matt, uh, with Matt Smith's Eleventh uh, Doctor. And as I say, the story hasn't been told for River Song yet because we've still got, as I say, we've still got that that that, that little eyepiece shot. Um, and once once it's done, I look forward to watching it all in sequence and and getting it because this you know that that scale of long term planning is immense. So you know, so at mm. the point at which um, Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead was being written, Stephen Moffat must have either he, he either knew what was going to come or he thought, well, let me just let me just put all this stuff in place just in case. But I, I, I don't it, it, in a very Einsteinian way. I don't believe God plays dice, and I don't think someone's going to spend time developing these ideas unless they know what's coming. So. Yeah, it, it's great. What, 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 do, you, do you have any hopes for the coming for the coming episodes? Yeah, I think there's several things that we're going to be looking forward to. I mean, the trailer certainly for next week is interesting, and uh, some of the information that's been released through Doctor Who magazine. Again, depending on your definition of spoilers, it may go too far or not. But I, I think certainly the God Complex, I'm very, very much looking forward to, and it's it's clearly not because I've gone back and checked now since Trev and I recorded last week. The episode with who we thought was Matt Smith in a clown suit. Um, again, if that's all tied in with what seems to be, or what fans are referring to as the land of fiction, then yes, those are the things I'm looking forward to. But I'm very much the same as you, uh, in as much as I don't know what's coming. I haven't, I haven't been told, you know, any major spoilers. Um, I, I'm not aware of any huge plot points, and I, I hope to stay uh, free of them as well. It, it's interesting that what we've really got is that we are all time travellers, albeit we are going in one direction at a set at a set space at a set pace. The interesting thing to me is that time is an emerging property of matter, in as much as in your head it's not difficult to go and visit when you were ten, when or, or yesterday, or to or to try and imagine what it's going to be like tomorrow. So as far as the mind's concerned, there is no time really. It's just we can go backwards and forwards. What we've got with the time lords is this ability to move through to is to is to meld time and the matter and say well okay fair enough we are now going to take this bit of matter and move it back through time physically which is a terrible responsibility to have it's 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 awful um in fact i was at a wedding yesterday um and the father of the bride said it, it was really quite emotional because all I saw was my little girl in front of me and I, and I wanted to say well yeah it, the, the only problem with that is that the, it's the flesh that imposes the limitation to not go back because all you can see because that is still your little girl it's just a question of the sh that she looks slightly different now the Time Lords know this River knows this and Amy and Rory discover this and through them we discover it ourselves that time travel 
has certain responsibilities. So those guys that were running around inside that um, uh, inside the robot or the or the ship, if you like, I wonder if they're proto time lords because they they are time traveling, but with a very odd set of parameters and an odd set of Ooh, rules. What a good in in fact, Tom, mm. that almost warrants this little jingle. <laughs> of the week. But, but but as the doctor leans in, he's like very, he seems very interested and curious, like he knows who they are and what they are. Um, but it's yes. like, but it, but it's ham-fisted time travel because it's like you can't be messing about with that. You know you can't be you can't be fiddling with the timelines because as I say, time can be rewritten. Yes, indeed, and and that's a line that one of the crew of yep. um, <laughs> of that robot said. I I, I think it's true uh, on a number of things. I think yes, we all have a time space visualizer uh, somewhere in our brains, and uh, you know it, it can make can make seeing past events very very clearly i mean i think there are times when clearly it gets distorted as well and you end up seeing something that didn't really happen but the responsibilities that you're talking about is well and truly a sci-fi concept Okay, it's that time again where we announce the winners of another Doctor Who podcast competition. On this occasion, it's going to be the question that Joe Lidster posed back in episode 95. The question was, and it was quite a fiendish question here, what were the names of the two companions Joe created for the story Terra Firma? Ooh. Tom, what's the answer? No. I have no idea. Ah, that also means you haven't listened to number 95 because the answer was in the body of Joe's interview. <laughs> and the answer was Gemma and Samson. We weren't after surnames. So long as you have mentioned Samson and Gemma in your answer, then you're in the winning hat. And Tom, I am mixing all of the answers around. We've had only 47 entries on this occasion and we have three prizes. So the chances of winning have massively increased to normal but off you go let's have three numbers between one and 47 okay let's have number 11 for 11 is denise wilson from alvin in texas congratulations you win a signed copy of consequences uh, so that will be on its way to you very shortly okay the second winner 26 26. Oh, I have to scroll down. 26. Mr. Stephen Hartwell from Reading in Berkshire. Haha, <laughs> you were talking about pole earlier on, Tom. I wonder if Excellent. you heard Jarvis Cocker's <laughs> dulcet tones belting out over the uh, over the airways last night. Congratulations, Stephen. And the last winner we have for this particular competition. Let's go to the other extreme. 47. That's Mr. Bob Clark from Seattle uh, over in the United States. Do you know, I think we have more listeners in the United States than we do in this country, Tom. That's fantastic. But even so, even still, it's nice to know that we've got a nice wide listenership. So, you know, all the way, well, of course, I know we have contributions coming from Australia. Uh, and I think we have some listeners in New Zealand as well. Mm. Uh, and, and to know that we've got winners from the UK and from the States, that, that's really cool. That's brilliant. No. I mean, that, thank you, everyone. No, thank you very much indeed for everyone who sent entries in. But particular congratulations to Bob, Stephen and Denise. Your prizes will be on their way to you very shortly. And I think for the first time in a long time, Tom, we do not have a live competition. And whilst we're talking about competitions, Tom, 
last week, I think it was last week or the week before, Trevor and I drew the winner of our Paradise Towers competition, our most popular competition to date, ironically. And and the winner was a Mr. Jeffrey Earl, based all the way over in Indianapolis. You know, I think I'm getting the impression if we just get off a plane from an American airport, we'll probably run into listeners at this rate. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to read out a quick note that uh, that Jeffrey sent. It says, Hey, James and Trev, just listened to episode 96 and I'm still in shock over winning the contest. Thanks a lot. It never occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to actually watch the DVD. Seems silly to send it all the way to the United States of America and go unwatched. So I would like to pass it along to a loyal UK Europe listener who can properly enjoy it. Well, there are other people in the United States who may be able to play a Region 2 DVD, so we'll, we'll probably make it open to everybody once again. You can pick the worthy recipients, and then Jeffrey says in brackets, or secretly keep it for yourselves. Thanks, but no. Um, just hearing you announce <laughs> my name on the podcast was prize enough for me. So thanks ever so much, Jeffrey. You're a very gracious winner, an extremely... Um, generous in, in, in offering up that prize uh, to, to be redrawn. So Tom, your drawing responsibilities are not over yet. You've now got a choice between numbers 1 and 146. Uh, okay. This will be for someone, hopefully, who can play the DVD. Right, okay, let's think. Ooh, let's go for 72. 72. <laughs> That's a Mr. Michael Patey, who I've seen has sent me an image of Richard Briers in his email as well. Thank you very much for the visual entry. I can assure you other listeners that I had absolutely no sway. It was completely random. Um, and so I'll be getting in touch with everybody who's won something on this episode of the Doctor Who podcast. Okay, um... Well, so that was us having a chat about episode one. Is it episode one or episode eight, shall we say? Is it episode one of 6B? <sighs> ah, let's see. I don't care. I know. I think you had, well, you had that discussion with Trev last <laughs> yeah. week, didn't you? But, but, that, okay, but that's us with our thoughts about Let's Kill Hitler. As ever, it would be lovely to hear uh, exactly what uh, you, our, our fantastic listeners, uh, made of the episode. You can do that on the forums or you can send it in an email. If you're going to send an email, uh, do try and keep it down to uh, maybe a couple of sentences or, uh, or a short paragraph rather than uh, an epic essay. Um, of course, you can also join us on the forums and let us know what you thought of Let's Kill Hitler. But um, yeah, I, I like to think of these, these conversations as uh, the start of a longer conversation, a longer dialogue and discourse with, uh, with our listeners. So do let us know what you thought. What did you make of River Song? What did you make of Melody? How do you feel about regeneration being treated less reverently than before? I know Trevor will have something to say about this, but what do you guys think? Mm, indeed. And we have received one piece of feedback, Tom, that neither you or I have had time to listen to because it arrived during us recording this show. And, wow. that, and that's from Mr. Nick Hopkins. And provided, Nick, you don't mind us not commenting on what you said, we'll play out with your piece of feedback at the end of the show. All right, um, James, is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners? Like, are you going away for any period of time? Oh, I am. Funny you should ask that, Tom. No, I'm not going to be around <laughs> for the next six weeks or so. So this is the only opportunity that I, am, I know for sure that I'm going to get to be discussing uh, an episode of season 6B with either you or Trev, which is all very sad. Uh, but don't feel too sorry for me because I'm jet-setting around the world quite a bit and <laughs> I'm going to be going away for the odd weekend here and there. And, and next week, I will be at Hooverville 3 and I will be interviewing a couple of people as well so if you happen to be coming along to, to Derby then I shall see you there but that's my reason for not being 
in the camper van at the normal recording time, Tom, next week. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. So in the meantime, I shall just say to you, Tom, please, please make sure Trevor looks after the camper van. He completely ignores his responsibilities in terms of keeping things clean. He's not as good or fastidious as you or I, you know. Tell me about it. I, I, I don't know what's going on with the amount of dust and the biscuits haven't been bought for ages, but okay, I'll, I'll have a word with him. Now, and what is that small little figurine of Trevor just doing there? You know, I've seen it on his Twitter handle, on Twitter, but why do you think he actually left a, a bust of himself here? Just so uh, that we feel included and, you know, we don't miss him too much? Uh, that's not his, it's mine. I'll get the pins out of it as well, hang on. Ah. Oh, I see. Okay. Let's kill Hitler. Now, for me, that title was just about the most exciting part of A Good Man Goes to War. But we've got to wait ages to find out what it is. But now we know. It was just a MacGuffin. It got us 20 minutes into a story and then the real story began. Now, if it had been one of those should we kill someone to alter the future things, then yes, it would have been a little too close to Day of the Daleks. But it didn't actually do anything with the premise whatsoever. Hitler in a cupboard, that was funny, and a few nice lines from Rory, who's fast becoming the star of the show. But then what really happened? Hitler was about to be miniaturised when suddenly one of the little people inside realised they were in 1938, too early in Hitler's time stream. Mm, slightly incompetent. They've only just worked out where they are. Which brings me to the Tesselector. Quite cool the way the body changed appearance, but why would you, as an advanced civilization, miniaturise yourself and travel around in time? You've got time travel, so I'm guessing you could just, I don't know, build a robot without all the little people inside it, like the numbskulls from the Beezer comic? At least we were spared too much of the Mel character. Nice idea, but possibly the most annoying actress in the show's recent history. The regeneration thing was good, but then River Melody was so utterly irritating. And then she did a complete character about turn a few scenes later. And yes, we know Alex Kingston has a bottom and breasts, but do we need it repeated like a carry-on film? I don't know, some of this story was great, the Doctor dressing up. Some of it was rubbish, River dressing up. Now, River can't regenerate anymore. She's given all her remaining lives to the Doctor. What implications did that have? Well, I'm betting the Doctor's now going to be able to regenerate well past his allotted 12. A lot of this seemed to be more just killing time than killing Hitler. Now, for those of you who've heard me bang on about story arcs before, here I go again. Let's Kill Hitler was too rushed, precisely because the arcs are getting in the way. There's so much backstory to cover that you end up with a cursory story. And yes, I did laugh a couple of times, but ultimately that was just window dressing to disguise the lack of opportunity to tell a decent story beyond the season arc. The potential drama, for example, of River's change of heart is precisely the sort of thing that suffers when it isn't time to develop the individual weekly stories properly. My last thought. John Nathan Turner was constantly criticised for producing a self-referential show which indulged the fans too much at the expense of the wider audience. I really don't want history to repeat itself. Maybe I need to get hold of a test selector myself. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Oh.
He's a song Great, Tom. So you're a musician. Well done. Nice. nice. That was very funny. <laughs> I've changed my I've changed my password on the computer. It had to be something with eight characters. So I went for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs>